Hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. I'm Christine and I'm here with Nate. I, I am here in body. I trust that my mind will catch up <laughs> at some point. <laughs> and Sung, how are you doing this morning? I am here. I don't know my bo- that my body is awake yet. Oh, okay. Mm, wow. Well, I, you know me. I'm a morning person, so I, I'm here in... So I think collectively we have at least two people here, which yeah. <laughs> two people two. fully present. So I think yeah. we can go oh, two and man. a half, yeah. <laughs> maybe something like that. Uh, so we have been talking about technology for the last four weeks mm-hmm. and uh, son, yeah, uh, take us away. What are we talking about this week? Well, let, let's just do a recap because I wasn't here in the last couple episodes. And so we start off by talking about how technology is more than just phones and tablets and that it's mm-hmm. really uh, everything from uh, Nate read a definition about like how uh, science or uh, inventions uh, made into like practical tools mm-hmm. or things that help solve yeah. problems. Yeah. <clears throat> so that goes all, uh, from everywhere from fire to, <laughs> to the wheel yeah. to mm-hmm. the car, washing machines to multi-story buildings because that was never, a th- I mean, that, that, that was, uh, well, uh, I mean, so all those things are, are considered technology. And so we brought, first brought in the definition of technology in the way that, especially in, in this day and age, uh, it has a potential to bring a lot of distraction and the, the lost art of boredom in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then why don't you two just give a recap of what you talked about the last two weeks? Yeah, Christine, maybe you can help me out here. Like I said, <laughs> my body is here, my brain is not. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, the first week that Sung was gone, we talked about um, some of the promises that technology makes and yeah, um, that's right. the ways in which maybe the, the cost isn't at the forefront of those promises. That's right. Wow, that was a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> we did great. <laughs> um, so that good was, job. Yeah. Um, so that was the, the um, two weeks ago. And then we followed that up by really n- narrowing in on one of those promises, which is um, the promise of, of life without limits Mm -hmm. and how um that's what technology promises us but we aren't we aren't looking at the cost right and we're not really designed to live without limits and we're not yeah Yeah. that too yeah we're not all right was that a question (laughs) or (laughs) that was a sarcastic question uh yeah I was you got to go back and listen to the episode. Yeah. So yeah. We answered the whole thing. Okay, great. (laughs) Well we'll see you next week. That's right. So while I was away, I started reading this book randomly called Generations by uh, um, a sociologist named Jean Twenge. And uh, she just happened to be talking about technology, which was really interesting. And there are a couple things that she talked about that I thought, oh, man, this would be great discussion and fodder for the podcast. And she basically says uh, in, in previous models of generational theory, that people demarcate different generations by different cultural events, mm. like the assassination of Kennedy or 9-11 or the space shuttle explorer. Uh, and she says, while that's true, it's actually technology is the other factor that really shapes generations mm. more so than actual events. And she says, if technology is the, the mother, the two kids that come out of technology is both individualism versus collectivism and something that she calls the slower life, which you may be thinking, what? Like my life is faster. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there next episode. So that was just really interesting. And I thought, oh man, let, let, I'll bring that to the discussion here today. And basically she says, technology isn't about stuff. It's really uh, about all, like all, all the ways that 
uh, technology influences how we live, how we uh, make choices, and how we think even. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you talked about that last couple episodes about Mm -hmm. how we think and act Mm -hmm. because of technology. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I I was just going to say, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite authors, Frederick Bachman, wrote recently in one of my favorite books. He wrote, um, money doesn't buy you... uh, things it buys you distance from other people Mm. um and just this character was kind of talking about how she like yeah she was like i don't have to rely on anyone because that is what that is what my my money buys me so when you said individualism i was like yeah when you're buying like a better tractor you're buying Mm -hmm. one that won't break down so you have to go to your neighbor's house and ask him to help you fix it or when you're buying um you know the vr system all of a sudden you can have a more experiential uh experience all by yourself or even like doordash which is more expensive you literally don't have to interact with the human being at all (laughs) right it all happens digitally um, and in isolation. Have you ever done DoorDash no. in your house? Because it, 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 it would cost, nobody, it cost like a hundred bucks <laughs> yeah. for a cup of coffee. Nobody delivers out to us. We <laughs> yeah. can't even get a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's true because if you think about it, like hunter, this going back tens of thousands of years ago, but hunters, hunter gatherers, they had to li- live in smaller tribes. But then once the agricultural revolution came, it was like like you were saying, we we have to come together mm-hmm. for both protection, but also. Uh, I imagine exchange of goods, uh, of food and products and, and cooperation. You have to work together to till this field mm-hmm. um, and, and whatever it is that they did back then. Yeah, whatever they were doing. <laughs> no, it is true. It is, it, it is interesting that the less technology you have, the more you have to rely on other people. Mm. Yeah. 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 What were you going to say? Uh, I'm, I can't you remember. remember. Okay, that's okay. I can't. I promise I'm going to wake up soon and then watch out. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So Jean's uh, t- uh, books. She says that until the 20th century, so not that long ago, uh, it was actually really hard to live alone because you had to rely on so many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no refrigeration. Um, no running water, no central heating, all, all those kinds of things, right? Uh, sounds like your place some days. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and you had to do everything, cooking over a wood-burning stove or, or uh, 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 burning wood. And, um, and, and so that's just a very different lifestyle than what we have today compared to like all the ways that, yeah, money and, and technology buys us space mm-hmm. from people um, and it's kind of relieved us from, like, let's say, uh, uh, washing clothes with other people, mm-hmm. you know, like we could just do it all on our own now. Yeah. So, so is her premise, is it a, is it a woman that wrote? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her premise is that, uh, um, technology sort of increases our isolation or individualism versus mm-hmm. collectivism. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, she says neither is good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them can get out of hand, mm. but and mm-hmm. she also makes this disclaimer, which is also, I think, helpful to that. Um, they, she's not conflating individualism and collectivism with any particular political ideology as well, yeah. because that, that is yeah. somewhere sometimes where people will default to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I guess a cult is maybe like the uh, the, <laughs> the perfect example of collectivism uh, yeah. gone yeah. to an extreme. Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, I think collectivism at its extreme can be, um, you know, stamp out 
individualism altogether yeah. because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, if you, you know, the, the grass that grows too high gets chopped off or, yeah. or whatever. But it, it is interesting. Yeah. When, when I was thinking about like, oh, what does the, like the old Testament vision of kind of, you know, us living in, in harmony, um, also was like never quite lived out. Cause I'm thinking about, um, you know, like widows and orphans, like the nice thing is, uh, back then a widow literally couldn't survive on her own. Mm-hmm. Like, like you were describing, like yep. she would have had to somehow grow her own food and cut all of her wood. And, um, and now it's like, okay, you know, single women, like we can be like single for our whole lives yeah. and yeah. survive just fine and feed ourselves. Um, so there's like that, you, you win some, you lose some, like <laughs> you lose that collective, like taking care of each other, but when it's uh, unreliable and maybe we never really had that in the first place, um, doesn't feel like a loss. Yeah. And then, um, her, her thesis is that, uh, technology created a larger middle class society, Mm. Mm. which meant that more people had opportunity to get away from the drudgery work of kind of daily chores and things like that. And so with a larger middle class, you have more opportunities for uh, equality and and, uh, you actually had more time to do things on your own versus uh, working together on the farm. And uh, that also meant that like skills and jobs that became valued were less hands-on skills and became much more information and service work oriented, which Mm. again is more individualistic compared Mm to uh, agricultural work. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you think back to like what the early, the early ways of navigating life, like how communal they were. And I wouldn't necessarily call it um, dependence. I'd probably describe it more as interdependence, you know? Uh, But you think about like, Quilting bees, I like literally they would get together and like all work on quilts together. Like they would have a big quilt in front of them and they would all work on one sort of like, you know, you would get it all done at once mm-hmm. or like when, when you would, you would all harvest together or like when the corn came in and you were like shucking all the corn, like everyone would come and do that. Then there'd be like a big dance after like th- that was sort of the way that you got around what technology allows us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, individually now and it created the environment for uh deeper richer conversation and relationships yeah Mm -hmm. although it's it's also interesting to think about like what you were saying that um the the there is there is like a dark side or a shadow side to, to that like like People who were unique were stamped out, you know, or ostracized instead of sort of, I mean, I guess in a perfect community, like everyone would sort of be able to find their place, but that, but we're human. And so it doesn't really shake out that way. And so on that front, it does feel like technology has created some space for people to be more unique in really, really positive ways Mm -hmm. um, that maybe wasn't there before. Yeah. It is interesting when you were describing like the quilting bees and like those different things, I'm thinking like, oh, what do I do now? Like I have a lot of very crafty friends and like once a year we'll do a crafternoon, which is where we all get in the same room and do crafts. <laughs> oh my crafts. gosh, that is so um, smart. <laughs> but, uh, but most of the time I was like, what do we, you know, what do we do while we're crafting? And it's like, oh, you turn on a show mm. and it feels like you have people in your living room. It feels like you're not alone. You're with other people doing your craft and just that kind of like uh, feeling of being with others without it's it almost like uh, it makes it harder to be fully known I think because mm. like I could be around people all day long right. if I left my tv on without ever like mm. 
letting people know me. Mm. Um, the way that like, if you're, if you're doing a craft afternoon, like you're chatting for four hours. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you don't even think about what you're saying. Cause you're like crafting and you're like, Oh, didn't mean to say that much. But uh, now you all know what I'm really thinking yeah. about right now. <laughs> yeah. So, well, just last weekend, um, uh, or yeah, it was last weekend. We had sort of, we had a sort of massive scale chicken harvest with mm. a lot of families sort of in our community where we raise the birds and feed them. And then everyone comes together to sort of process them and get them in the freezer. Mm. And again, I was just, I'm thinking like, that's all like there is technology that lets you take your birds to, mm-hmm. you know, um, a butcher and then you get back things in a cellophane package, but we sort of choose to do it communally based because there are people who find that important, but also because it's a way to like connect with mm-hmm. uh, other people and our food in a meaningful way, mm-hmm. sort of like forsaking technology, even yeah. though it's a lot harder work, you know, I mean, and there is some money savings if we do it ourselves, but still it's, it's a day, man. <laughs> it's a day. <laughs> well, and speaking of um, your craft noon watching TV together, uh, Nate, you may remember this. I don't know if you, if your family was like this or if you're too young to remember this, Christine, but when uh, TVs used to be this piece of furniture surrounded by wood yeah, and you only had one yeah. in the living room and you had to get up and fight over the channels that you wanted to watch and there was all of, what, three channels mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. And now, like, how many screens are in one mm-hmm. household today? Yeah. And again, there's another example of um, individualism, good and bad, uh, of how technology impacts uh, family systems and friendships and relationships. That's actually, that made me think of like all the commercials now say like, oh, are you sick of sharing a screen? Like, uh, you know, and it taught, you know, like the radio ads, it'll have like the bo- the little kid, uh, you know, yelling like, oh, I want to play the video game. And the little girl being like, wait, my Wi-Fi's out. And it's like, you know, about like, oh, you know, maybe that life without limits promise, but also that, oh yeah, you should all be able to do your own thing yeah. individually. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, it used to be, you know, we're all going to come and watch a movie, the same movie in the living yep. room. Um, and if you're watching the movie, you're not, you're not on a, you know, there are no other screens. Right. I mean, also, if you think about the fact that now, like even the ads are personalized. So if you're watching your own screen, you're, you're actually getting a completely different experience from someone who could be watching the exact same thing. Right. Uh, It just is, it's really fascinating to see how technology both, um, elevates the individual and in doing so can sort of create a sense of isolation Mm -hmm. that we don't even realize is happening. I mean, in my mind that, that becomes the real danger, Mm -hmm. which is that I I think, I think being an individual is amazing, Mm -hmm. but when it is an isolating experience, that's where it's the, the, the balance sort of starts to tip for me. And I think technology, um, sort of under the promise of individualism, it actually benefits from a sense of isolation. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like if technology can get you to in- engage with that, right. the more that it can get you to engage with that, sort of the better it is for mm-hmm. whatever it is, the platform or um, the piece of whatever, you know. Uh, but that is really different. It's like one It's like one degree too far yeah. from the individualism that can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So how would you assess whether in like your level of individualism when it comes to your lifestyle and day-to-day uh, choices, how do you know when it's unhealthy or uh, are there things that you mm-hmm. both consider as you assess your own life? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. 
I don't ever assess my own life, so <laughs> I just avoid that entirely. <laughs> I, you know, so it's for me. There's 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 two ways to look at it, right? One is like where do you draw boundaries, which I think is helpful, but I haven't thought about that very much mm. because what I tend to think about is what am I proactively filling my life with, mm. and. As I'm putting those things in, you know, like we do like a full, we do like a full scale farm staff meeting every Monday <laughs> where we sort of talk about everything that's on the calendar. We prioritize all the tasks that need to be done. We make, you know, like a menu and a chore list and all these things. And so we really are like filling our week with, we used to call them when I was on staff. I don't know if you guys still do this big rocks, mm-hmm. essentially like you put the big rocks on your calendar first. And so we do that. And, mm-hmm. and because uh, my wife is so amazing, that always includes lots of other people. It includes, um, like meaningful interactions with the community and with mm-hmm. the land. And so I, it's sort of, I've sort of give myself a lot of space in the margins to not think about how I'm engaging with technology very much because I sort of know that already the big rocks are mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that works for everybody, but that sort of works for me. That makes sense. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think um, a Gen Xer's relationship with technology, uh, uh, although we we were swept in with all the technological innovations of the last few years and decade or so, but I think we have a very different relationship with technology because mm-hmm. because we uh, like the beginning of our childhood, we were just used. I mean, TV could be the closest thing, yeah. But uh, we weren't inundated. We didn't swim in technology. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know, Gen Zers, millennials. Uh, they're they're digital natives, and so they have a whole different kind of relationship with sure. technology. And so I'm curious for you, Christine, like uh, you know, being in a different generation, having a different relationship with technology ever since you were little. Mm-hmm. What has been your journey there? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I will say uh, I had the benefit of uh, being raised in a very uh, poor family, which means our technology was like five years behind the rest of the world. Mm. So I still had floppy disks like when I was a kid. I know. I'm like, yeah, yeah. no one else in my whole life had, (laughs) like, none of my friends at school had touched a floppy disk. Although I think it's hilarious that that's still like the default save icon for technology. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Because it's something that many people have not even ever experienced or seen. That is true. Um, so I am a digital native, but at the same time, I feel like I had, um, I, uh, not in the same way that other people, my same age Mm. are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that said, you know, I had my own laptop in middle school, so uh, maybe I am a digital native, but (laughs) I mean, just like, just contrast, I didn't have a walk. I I got a Walkman in middle school. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People even know what that is. So I had a Walkman also, but because I wanted the, I wanted the iPod. Um, and I, my mom was like, instead, here's your Walkman that I found at a garage sale, which is, was a very good gift and I appreciated it. But, um, so that's just, I was definitely like behind the times, but it's still right. Like, um, I was thinking about this, uh, like just today I was like, oh, there are so many things where if you have boundaries with technology, um, sometimes you miss out on things like my level of, uh, you know. Uh, engagement with Instagram means that I don't get any of the free giveaways that all of my friends are getting (laughs) that like are on Instagram all the time. I'm like, man, there are so many, you know, there are just all these different opportunities. Um, But I, I do like the idea of like both having big rocks and 
um, boundaries because I think it's like a boundary without anything else to fill that space. Yeah. I found uh, just make like discourages my walk with technology yeah. where I'm like, oh, like this, uh, this is like not only is this not satisfying, but not having it in my life is also right. not satisfying. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've had to journey through, and part of this was um, Ian and Laura, who are on staff at, well, Ian's on staff at Canton. Um, I remember when I first moved to Ann Arbor, uh, looking at the way Laura lived her life as kind of like part of her community, I was like, oh man, I want to start doing that. Um, and I realized there are a lot of things uh, where like, the way that Nate describes living his life and the way that I describe living my life might not be the best way for a a different Mm -hmm. listener to engage Mm -hmm. with technology. And so for her, she was like, oh, I'm going to invite other people to do laundry with me. I'm going to be like doing these different like chores with other people instead of just putting in an audio book. And so that kind of inspired me to start thinking like, okay, how can I choose to bring people into jobs or chores or parts of my life that um, we don't have to invite people into Mm. anymore because technology lets us not. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. I've, I've kind of explored how do I invite people in, even though technology says I don't have to. Mm. That's good. I think the other, the other advantage that I have is that for me, like when I really am feeling like I need something, it's almost always like making something, which mm. is like sort of technological, but not, not sort of, um, digital. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that that also helps me feel like my, and maybe this is part of my, maybe this is a generational thing, you know, but like my default is to sort of be like, well, I'm going to go to the workshop and I'm going to make something. Mm -hmm. Um, if I have any energy, if I don't have energy enough to make something, then I'm like, ah, I mean, like who cares? Like, I'm just going to watch a movie, you know, but in general, I sort of lean that way. Mm Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest, like, uh, maybe if, if I, I, I think of it in terms of warning signs where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm navigating it well, unless I hit these, unless these like different mm, sirens go interesting. off. Uh, one of those is I've already said, like, I have different timers on YouTube where it's like, okay, if I'm hitting my two hour timer, uh, every day, mm-hmm. that's a warning sign. Yeah, if yeah. it happens once, it's like, okay, it was Saturday. Um, if it happens three days in a row. I might be spending too much time on technology because that's, yeah. Um, but another one of the warning signs is if I'm not creative, because mm. I think all of us are creative in some way, like, uh, yeah, whether it's imagining dream vacations or whether it's writing or creating in the workshop. And if I am at the point where I'm like, oh, I don't have any desire to make or do or think about or dream about anything. Yeah. Um, I have given too much of myself to technology and it's like it's almost crushing my individualism instead of um encouraging it yeah i think that's a great that's a great um sort of benchmark uh because it is it's the difference between in being an individual which is sort of expressing who you are Mm -hmm. and sort of being isolated which is that it's like it's more about what isn't there versus what is yeah that's good Mm. how about you sung um what's the question uh, I, uh, how do you navigate, uh, um, individualism and, uh, um, uh, oh, individualism. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if this is individualism per se, but I do, f- I mean, I, I'm, I'm contrasting this with collectivism. 
So in college, I was like probably at my like off the chart extrovert kind of, <laughs> you know, so it was always being with people and in meaningful ways, right? Not just, you know, um, in relationship, laughing together, uh, doing things together. Um, I find these days, though, uh, that the older I get, the, the less um, I either space or time I have for more relationships. Mm-hmm. And... So and thus, because I'm so very extroverted, I love having having acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like a thousand acquaintances. Oh, this is great, mm-hmm. right? Because it it provides the uh, external stimulation that an extrovert needs. Um, and so at the same time, I, I will say, yeah, my lifestyle is probably pretty individualistic mm-hmm. uh, when I compare it to, let's say, Nate or maybe even you, Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, or, or even compared to myself when I was, you know, 25. Um, um, so I, I, I don't know what to make of that uh, other than, I mean, I think part of that is pretty normal. At, at the same time, I do feel like I have uh, a smaller, deeper circle of friends. Um, you know, before you move, you, you're constantly moving and you're constantly making new friendships and trying to keep or maintain older friendships, which I was not really great at. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but now being kind of established a bit like, yeah. And so I I, I think, I I think there are areas where I'm very individualistic. Uh, I want to do laundry on my own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you have any, do you have any, like Christine was describing, do you have any like warning signs or red flags when Mm -hmm. you realize you've sort of maybe isolated yourself too much? Um, Hmm. No, because whenever that happens, there's an impulse for me to want to like be with people. Oh, like your mm-hmm. extroversion <laughs> sort of like is a natural backstop. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. Like mm-hmm. COVID was just terrible. Mm, mm-hmm. I loved COVID. Oh my man. goodness. It was just like. I Not can't. the disease, but I loved lockdown, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Amy. She was like, can COVID be the, the like, you know, like being locked down be, yeah. be like life from now on? And it was, ter- it was terrible mm-hmm. for me. And, and so even. Uh, e- even if it's just like going to a coffee shop and just, I, I concentrate better when there's noise and people around me, even if there's, if there's nobody I know mm. there. And, uh, and then if I, if somebody comes into the coffee shop that I know, I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I love that too. So I, I, the, it's not so much a matter of con- connecting or, or being together. I, I would say my extrovertness keeps me always connected. That doesn't mean though I want this collective lifestyle where mm-hmm. I'm having to cooperate with people, <laughs> you know, because I would say even on that scale, I'm like way on the other end yeah. of being very autonomous yeah. too. Yeah. So co- collaborative or autonomous, I'm like 99 percentile uh, autonomous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my level of connection and need for connection is really high. So it's interesting because we've all sort of described ways that like we, in some ways, we're we're naturally wired to sort of experience our our own boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think Christine, you're very very you're very very self aware, way more than me. Uh, so like you're sort of like no, I'm I'm checking in with myself. Mm-hmm. Like I've set these timers, I've been thoughtful about it, um, and uh, it's it makes me wonder like where is the where is the danger then? Is it just that w- if we're not paying attention to ourselves, or would it be like? 
an autonomous introvert would is like, <laughs> because I'm very very collaborative. I I I prefer to work with, alongside other people all the time. So that also means that I'm I'm not in danger of sort of like isolating myself very much. I get very uncomfortable if I've been alone for too long. Even though I I like to be alone, I I start to feel it. So what if so is it just that we're paying attention or is there really like a personality that's like super wired to Get you just trouble. made me. You made me think of a two by two diagram. Yeah, which you'll love. Yeah, right? I, I mean, trust me. I already, I already drew it in my head. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like you could be introverted and autonomous, which is dangerous. Yeah. Or extroverted and collaborative, meaning you you don't take much time for self awareness. Yeah. And that's dangerous yeah. too. Um, and then the other two sides would be introverted and collaborative mm -hmm. or extroverted and autonomous. Mm -hmm. So, and I think there is a, a sense of being constantly aware, uh, mm -hmm. uh, wherever you are. It doesn't, doesn't mean that if you're in this quote unquote safe zone that you don't have to monitor yeah, yourself. Yeah. You just, mm -hmm. you still do. Yeah. But it's just different than if you're like introverted and you don't want to collaborate. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also really helpful to realize that there isn't sort of a one size fits all yeah. mm -hmm. way to sort of l like watch yourself because depending on where you fit on those yeah. spectrums, it's going to look very, very different, mm -hmm. you know, but it is a lot of it is about knowing yourself. I, I will say, I think I'm definitely extroverted and collaborative. Yeah, like, I was going to say that. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, we yeah. have one of those at the table. Yeah. Which I think the, the, uh, Temptation is to not be self-aware. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, just like blend into the community <laughs> and then just go with the flow. And then mm. you never have to think. Um, but, uh, which I think the, maybe it's also a danger zone, not only cause you don't have to be self-aware, but because if you are an extroverted collaborative person, uh, the way that that happens often is through technology. Right. And so if, if like for me, um, it, that's where it's easy to get lost is like, Oh, I have to like catch up on every TV mm. show that every one of my friends is watching. <laughs> um, and again, that just, uh, can like diminish any time for yeah. reflection or, um, yeah, creativity or, or any of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a danger zone for multiple reasons. Um, Which I think yeah. is really good why you're so intentional about timers yeah. and boundaries because yeah. that, that can bleed really quickly into a danger zone. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think my wife, Amy is probably more, um, collaborative like mm -hmm. and extroverted as well. And actually she has sort of embraced the same like path that you have, mm. which is just like a, a deep, deep pursuit of sort of self-knowledge and, yeah. and reflection, which doesn't come naturally to her. Yeah. It took a long time for her to get that. But the more she does it, the more she finds balance in, in the other areas of her life. Mm -hmm. That's, it's, it's helpful to sort of understand the remedy. Yeah. And I think for, again, wherever you fall in that quadrant, you're going to have to discover your own big rocks and boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, like one thing that I am well aware of is while I don't, I don't really enjoy watching TV shows or uh, movies, movies on occasion. I mean, you know, during football season. Oh yeah. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm doing all weekend. Yeah. And other than that, I do know uh, just again, just from, uh, repeated experiences like the times that, that I am most likely to just 
num- numbingly engage in entertainment and media is when I'm sick. Mm. Like there's no desire, there's no creativity, mm. there's just no energy. And it becomes just this way of passing time mm-hmm. because any other time I'm passing time by uh, engaging with people, doing something, going somewhere. And that time it, it just feels so idle. And so the default can be just to, you know, like, like how some people would just binge watch that. Those are my only times to binge watch is that. And, and even uh, this is where I'm not on the collaborative side of some, like I've had so many people say, Oh, you should watch the show. It's really good. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I sometimes I'm genuinely interested. I'm like, Oh, that sounds great. And then I'm like, yeah, I forgot the title and well, who cares? I don't want to watch it. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm always like, oh, if, if I say, oh, that sounds great. I'm like, oh, I have just made a commitment to watch oh this show. <laughs> <It's> so, <funny. laughs> so the thing that's in, really interesting that she says in the book, I'm going to read this part. Mm-hmm. She says, technological change doesn't always result in uniformly high individualism. For example, Japan is a collectivistic country mm-hmm. immersed in technology. That's really interesting mm-hmm. to think about, right? Mm-hmm. So again, our individualism is very Western. Yeah. But individualism can't exist without modern technology, kind of like the way we've talked about farming uh, societies, agricultural societies. And she says, every every individualistic country in the world is an industrialized nation, although not every industrialized nation is individualistic. Hmm. And then she she doesn't really... uh, So then she goes on to talk about how individualism uh, really, like it it is the most individualistic nations, like take any of the Scandinavian countries that embrace equal rights for uh, lesbians, gays, bisexuals, all that, and and, and wanting to bring uh, equality, uh, whether it's same-sex marriage and all that. So the more individualistic a country is, the quicker they are to embrace uh, uh, autonomous choices Mm. for people. Uh, which when you think about it, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's true, right? Because you have countries in the Middle East, what, one president's like, oh yeah, we, we don't have any gays here in our country. Yeah. It's like, ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, it's interesting how that actually shapes mm. our perspective. And I don't know that she says this, but this is my kind of download from that. Hence, Gen Z and, and younger, it's just a given mm-hmm. because we're in such a highly individualistic uh, society in the West here and you take even fashion, for example, right? Um, one show that we watch as a family is this crime show called Murdoch. Uh, somebody's calling, leave me alone. Mm. Um, where the thing, and it's like, I don't know, Victorian time up in Toronto it is Murdoch is always wearing a suit and tie, even in his own home. Mm. Mm. And his wife is always wearing a dress, not only in public, but, but that's how they dressed anywhere they went. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and then most people dressed pretty much the same. Whereas now we, mm. we talked about, um, uh, everything from your clothing and fashion is an expression mm-hmm. of your individualism, like your individual tastes and preferences. Mm. And so all those ways, if you think about it has come about because of the advancement and innovation of technology. Yeah. I mean, the fact that clothing is affordable, for example, yeah, you know, yeah. like that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can only afford two dresses, then it's like, well, you're not going to, you're not really like deciding what you're going to wear every morning. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, well, it's either this one or this one, which one's yeah. clean. So, you know, I was sort of curious about how, um, cause this was sort of the premise of this season. Like, how do you think that this 
contrast between individualism and collectivism and technology and faith. How do all of those things begin to intersect? Because I can see, again, benefits to um, to both yeah. collectivism and individualism as it comes to faith. Uh, but I would say that, to, in my experience at least, in America, we lean really heavily into sort of the individual, even saying like you must make like an individual um, you know, decision for Jesus, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's wrong, mm-hmm. but like that is the primary emphasis right. around faith mm-hmm. for most people. Yeah. Um, or so, in the New Testament, the, the head of the household became a Christian and the whole household yeah. became a yeah. Christian. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which today in our society, we kind of go like... What does that even look like? Yeah. How is that even possible? Yeah. <laughs> Which shows you the like divergence yeah. between high individualism and high collectivism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I was about to go on a tangent, but I won't. How about you, Christine? <laughs> what do you think? Faith, individualism, collectivism, technology. Yeah. So when you were uh, asking the question, the first thing that came to my mind was um, just the kind of... Um, maybe lack of compassion for the poor and powerless, or maybe just the, um, I think maybe, and this is like, uh, well, anyway, I'll just say it and then we, I, without any kind of like judgment on it, but it's really easy to say like, oh, um, there we are in an individual society where the government is, has all these programs and where, uh, if you have a cell phone, you have access to all these resources and you should be able to, you know, manage it yourself. Or even to say your individual choices sort of brought your you, individual mm-hmm. choices. brought you to this place. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really easy, I think to, um, I don't know, at least for me, it's easy to go through those kind of like steps of thought and not have as much compassion, um, or not like, feel like my faith compels me to take an active stance, um, both from that end, but also then when I was, um, really sick and I couldn't take care, you know, couldn't clean my house or couldn't, um, meal prep meals for the week, or, you know, there were all these things that Mm -hmm. I couldn't do. It felt like, oh, I am responsible for my choices. I have technology. I have a fridge. I could, you know, like just all these different things. Like I have a dishwasher, uh, so I shouldn't need someone else to, to help me. Um, so I think just that's my first thought is just the way that God calls us to live, uh, taking caring, taking care for, of one another and like building one another up feels like, oh, we should be able to build ourselves up. We should yeah. be able to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really, I think that's a really important, I think that's a really important thing to sort of highlight because mm-hmm. it's, again, I don't think we even often think about it yeah. until we're in dire need. And then suddenly you realize like, oh crap, like I really, despite all of the technology without someone else, I actually can't pull this off right now. Yeah. Um, and how, how amazing would it be for that to drift like uh, across the spectrum? So mm-hmm. it's like not in times of need, right. but just to understand like, no, my, my journey towards wholeness and righteousness is, you know, unquestionably helped by being, mm towards the collective end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Well, um, yeah, I, I find, I find, so 
I, I'm of two minds because one of the things that has like really been on my mind lately is that how like the gospels are basically a series of anecdotes about Jesus and how often we turn those into sort of these broad, like everyone should do X. <laughs> I read a, I read a fantastic quote and this was the rabbit trail I was going to take. And then you started talking about the poor. So now it actually fits. <laughs> <laughs> a quote by a guy who said he's a Christian, but also has a real um, sort of intense heart for the poor. He said, if, if you can tell me that I need to be born again, I can tell you that you need to sell everything that you own mm. and give it to the poor. Because Jesus said that to, to one guy one time as well. You know, mm. like we've sort of taken this one conversation, and I'm not saying it's wrong, this one conversation mm. where Jesus said you must be born again. And that has become sort of our universal like right. framework for faith. And he said lots of other things to lots of other people. Yeah. And so you sort of, I'm sort of stuck in this saying, well, like, yeah, there have to be collective principles around the life of Jesus that we can live by. Mm-hmm. But also, also, there's a danger in sort of cherry picking the ones that we like or are most convenient and our individualism sort of allows us to pick one and ignore the other. And I, for me, that's just something I've been chewing on. I don't really know how that all fits together, but I think uh, technology allows us to hyper-focus if we want to. Whereas if you don't have that and your faith is being formed in a community of people that your life is rubbing against, Mm. it's a lot harder to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the ways in which like, uh, the reason I think technology makes it easier for us to be individualistic. And especially when we started that way is because like that life on life rub is never comfortable. I'm like, I'm super collaborative, but, um, it's still, uh, it's still uncomfortable to engage in community Mm -hmm. every day, you know? And, um, I think just acknowledging, acknowledging that and that that's the way it's supposed to be, that like we're supposed to be challenged by community, Mm -hmm. um, as part of our faith is just important to be consistently reminded of because digital relationships are just a lot easier. Yeah. Um, in my experience, how about you Sung? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, even a digital relationship with the poor, if you can like, if you can push a button and donate versus actually like handing a $20 bill to somebody like that is a really different experience, a really different experience. Absolutely. Well, when you were talking Christine about caring for the poor, I was just thinking, you know, about the body metaphor and how, if one part of the body is hurting, then the entire body hurts, which is true physically, yeah. right? You get a little splinter in your finger and your whole body just doesn't want to do anything right. else. It's like, it's like aware of it. It's, yeah. Your whole body's whole aware. Your whole body is aware of it and moves to try to yeah. help repair and restore yeah. that one thing. Yeah. Or I, I think of like the Amish community. Oh, a house burns down. Well, the whole community of men come together and rebuild that person's house or that family's yeah. house. Um, and that's such a different mentality than like, well, I got insurance and they're, yeah. they're going to cover it. And so I, I again, hired a contractor, right, got I, three yeah. quotes. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to take a c- care of it on my own and how I think like, um, yeah, like with the people I know, it's like, I, I mean, there, there's a, a radius of proximity, right? So, uh, and usually the closer the radius, the, 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 the radius, the, the more I care, but if you look, think about the body metaphor, like it doesn't like, it's not like, I mean, in one sense it's true. It's like if, if, if you get a splinter in your thumb, your, your hand's going to be like 
you know, pounding or something, your toes aren't going to feel it as much. At the same time, your feet aren't going to be running off doing something else because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to take care of this wound in your thumb. And so just thinking of, man, what, what does, what, what does that look like in a highly individualistic Mm -hmm. society versus uh, in the East where that is more true. Mm -hmm. And even so that like, if you, if you did something, like you rebelled as an individual there there's i mean again there's good and bad in this mm-hmm. but it's a it's a shame culture and so you bring dishonor to the whole body yeah mm-hmm. or to the family right yeah. and so you, you you translate that to to the the body it's like you, you're bringing shame this, the, your actions are bringing shame to the entire tribe mm-hmm. there, there's i mean on one sense there's a lot more freedom because um we, we don't live under the kind of the shame society at the same time. Uh, there's also <laughs> other consequences because of that. Right. And I, and, and I think like I'm aware of people who have been deeply, deeply negatively yeah. impacted, you know, negatively. by, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, it, it reminds me of something that we've said a bunch of times, but it's sort of like fascinating to notice how cultures have a tendency to drift to one of the extremes, yeah. hyper, hyper individualism, mm-hmm. hyper, hyper collectivism. Yeah. And that really perhaps as people of faith, are one of the greatest examples we can mm-hmm. model is how you sort of walk in between those two and live in that tension. Yeah. And I think part of that is at least I have found is acting as if we need each other when we don't like for, uh, you know, I think it, the most common example, and this is like just a simple little thing, is like someone in my community group gets sick and I say like, oh, can I drop off some groceries or pick you up anything? Almost always the answer is no, I have DoorDash. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. because it's true, right? <laughs> yep. yeah. um, but there's one person in my in my last community group who'd be like, okay, well, uh, I'm still going to drop off some soup and some tissues just in case you need them. And that little action of like acting like we need each other, even when we choose not to need each other, um, like just builds a community in a different way. It does. Um, it almost like reforms those connections that have been broken between us. So what I've found in my neighborhood, and I think I've talked about this on an early, earlier episode is that in my community where people tend to be very, very self-sufficient, the first step is for me to be the one who has a Mm. need like that. Like that is, that's humbling. Yeah. And, but I try to look for places where I can ask other people for help because no one ever accepts help everyone gives help in my neighborhood and i think that that is i think that is pretty common Mm -hmm. and i was just messing with my neighbor about it the other day because we have another big project he's like hey man give me a call and i'll help you like take these tents down and i was like man i'm not gonna call you like (laughs) i'm not gonna call you i'm just gonna do it myself sort of like how i always offer to help you and you never call me and he's like i know dude i know i know but like it's just is the reality and so uh, it's actually making me think maybe I should call him. <laughs> because, um, but really, like, that is one of the steps that I think we can make yeah. that is very, very, very hard to mm-hmm. be the ones to communicate need first. Um, I really struggle with that. But it's a, actually a discipline that I'm trying to engage in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think we can do it as in terms of faith as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, I think you can really say, like, hey, 
Would you be willing to, I mean, it can be, it could be as simple as look, I'm really, I am really trying to be more consistent with my Bible reading. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to like do this with me or, you know, like not even necessarily an accountability thing, like check in, but more saying like, Hey, will you sort of walk alongside me to make this easier? That, uh, that is a profound, profound change in the way that we operate. I wonder because of our lack of willing, willingness to accept help, um, I, I think that shapes our um, uh, not going to God yes, until absolutely. times yeah. of desperate absolutely. help. Yeah. And so, oh yeah, God, he's there in the back of my mind. And then when I need help, oh, I'll call him at three yeah. o'clock in the morning. But, um, and, and so, and we think we're going to develop some sort of strong relationship with him in that kind of way, mm. which that's not possible. Mm. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, again, there's, I, I want to be, there's no blanket solution here, mm-hmm. but it sure seems like asking other people for help is a significant way to sort yeah. of address the way that technology would tend to isolate. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to be clear, that's different than offering help because mm-hmm. I think that that is easier. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easier yeah. because especially like we all know the other person's going to say no. It's like super safe yeah. to offer help because people, no, I got it. No, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, but asking for help, someone's going to say yes. And then suddenly mm-hmm. that's where you're living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you can help us by. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe today. Just kidding. Yes. Um, no, but thanks for being along with us on this journey. Um, and we will talk to you next week about technology. What are we talking about next week again? I need help. I don't know. Uh, the slow life. The, the slow, slow life. life. I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> See you then.